another episode of the Nothing But Nets podcast, a Clutch Points podcast. I'm your host, Dave Early, beat reporter here at Clutch Points. As always, I'm joined by our co-host, Greg Dennis. Greg, good to have you. How you doing? Dave, I'm doing well. Really excited to um, talk Nets with you with very little uh, COVID implications. There's a lot of basketball to talk about. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the uh, the aura of COVID is still going to be all over the pod. Well, I'm I'm trying to see if I can reverse jinx it. Let's see, like, <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see how long like the uh, related theme comes up. I know. Uh, I know. Kyrie had some post game comments. That we're going to have to get to, but let's start off at the top with. You know, by some people's measures, the current MVP of the league, the leading scorer, uh, Kevin Durant, is going to be out for what's been reported to be four to six weeks, an MCL sprain. What, what was your original thoughts on this? Did you worry it might be a longer-term issue? Did, is this on the higher end of time he might be out that you originally expected? What, what was your first reaction to this injury? <clears throat> My first reaction might surprise you. Um, I actually thought to myself, this is a blessing in disguise. Once I heard that it was four to six weeks, because we all know that Durant has been playing way too many minutes all season. And it's only January. Like there's six months left for a team that's trying to win a championship. I kind of felt like something like this was probably going to happen at some point. And, you know, knock on wood, obviously he needs to come back 100%. But getting to rest for like two months in the middle of the season when you've been playing way too many minutes uh, at his age, you know, still not that far removed from the Achilles injury, like, I don't know. It's, it feels like not the worst thing. If you're, if you're just like hoping to, to be healthy and peaking in uh, March, April, May, June. Now, is it fair of me to say that that's sort of a roundabout indictment on maybe the coaching staff or the front office? Because couldn't you have had your cake and eaten it too by just load managing these guys? Did it really need to be an MCL sprain to get to a point where we're saying, hey, it's good, he's got a month off? You know, I'm not saying the MCL sprain is good. I, I guess I'm just saying that this guy needs a break. And, you know, it, it's hard to know if, if it's a coaching staff thing because, I mean, you know this. Like, you can, you can uh, suggest Kevin Durant that he rests. You can show him all the reasons it's a good idea. You can nudge him in that direction. But at the end of the day, I think we all know that guys like Kevin Durant, to a large extent, are making their own decision on that. And like you said, he's, he's arguably the favorite to win the MVP. And they've been shorthanded all year. It, it might just be one of those things where, you know, you do the best you can, but it's with the understanding that he's going to be playing a lot of minutes. Yeah. And I think that's a fair counterpoint to the, to the question I raised. That's 
there's plenty of evidence to the point you just made. Kevin Durant has basically said several times, because this has been an issue that he's been asked about over and over again, ad nauseum. And he, his answer has basically been, my window as a player is short, and I know that, and I want to be out there. He even joked a few days ago, like, I'm going to die out there. So, you know, Steve Nash has said, ideally, we'd do it this way. We would do it that way. We'd keep his minutes down. He wouldn't be logging 40. But, like, Kevin really wants to be out there. So, I think part of that is exactly mm-hmm. like what you said. He wants to be out there. And it's difficult then to blame the Nets or the coaching staff because they might have some say but he might also. And so these big minutes that he's playing and James Harden for that matter, um, it could very much be player's choice here. Totally agree. Um, So what do you, what do you think then in terms of the timeline? I know we're dealing with this now with Joe Harris, who we've reached that point where we were originally told he might be available uh, and he still has no timetable. Coach Nash has given us some updates like, you know, there's some irritation there. We want that irritation to go away in the ankle. We'll see how he responds to different, you know, stay ready practice type of things we do. Do you think, or do you buy this four to, six, four to six week window or do you think maybe it could be much longer than that? You know, I wouldn't think it'll be too much longer than that. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, a high ankle sprain, which is considered to be the most severe, is, is typically around an eight-week recovery. So if it's, if it's something of that nature, then I suppose it could, it could linger on for a couple more weeks. But You mean Durant's knee? You know, I, uh, no, no, I thought, I thought you were talking about Joe Harris's ankle. No, I'm just saying like the, the timeline for Joe Harris's return, we're already beyond it. Could that happen with Durant? Is it possible the team saying we expect four to six weeks? Fast forward, you and I are having this conversation in a month and a half, and we're being told, you know, he's just ramping up now. Or do you think, yeah, when they say four to six weeks, they mean it, even though it didn't work out that way for Joe yet? Oh, I think that's definitely possible. I mean, there's no reason to rush him back. Uh, it's an MCL, you know, the only, the only, uh, contingency to that, I guess, like, you know, obviously you don't, you don't want to be in that playing tournament. So if, if there's, if it comes to that, I suppose there could be some urgency. Otherwise, I mean, you know, he's, he's out of the MVP race now, and I just don't see why you would mess around at all with with it with a with his knee um to maybe bring him back a week well week early so could definitely could definitely be longer than four to six yeah i'm looking at this schedule now with kyrie irving as a road only player um there's going to be some games where i mean first of all they're they're fortunate you never say this because usually if you're missing your best player road games are you know, the death sentence for a team looking to stay in first place in the East standings. Um, But for this team, that's actually much better to have road games. And they've got a bunch of them coming up. Uh, They're on a little road trip right now. And then they're home against the Lakers, home against the Nuggets. And then they're back for another long road trip. Um, 
because it's going to be tough sledding with James Harden as the only member of a big three for games against, you know, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, um, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just really the story of not only this season, but really this era of the Nets with um, Kyrie, KD, and, and Harden is just like, I think they've played like 16 games together in two seasons. And it's not a lot. Um, if you're just counting regular season, it's very few. Yeah. I think yeah. I mean, it's last crazy. year. You know, Kyrie, he had some comments where he was basically saying, like, <laughs> questioning the meaning of it and, you know, saying our time will come. But, you know, you can tell it's taken a toll. I mean, these guys thought they were signing up for one thing and it's been anything but that. Yeah. And, and that's been one of the biggest themes is, you know, we just passed that anniversary of the acquisition of James Harden and, and looking back at the year um, it's, it's tough. I know other fans of other teams say, Oh yeah, it's so hard to be a Nets fan. One of your big three is hurt. But uh, for Nets fans who just want to see all three of them out there, it's felt the opposite. It's felt like everything has transpired to keep that from happening. Um, what, else, what else do you look to in terms of the rotation on a nightly basis? Do you think they're going to have to get back to relying on a guy like Patty Mills? Do you think there's going to be more room for Camp Thomas to grow? Uh, I recently heard Nick Claxton's name come up again in a trade rumor. So that's his name is pretty consistently from offseason to today come up here and there. Um, as one of the few members of the young core who's not signed long-term. He's, he is, they did not opt to pick up his extension earlier. So they are looking at losing him for nothing if you know they don't want to get way up there into repeater taxes and all that. So there's a chance that he's not with this team next year, which makes the idea of trading him now maybe a little bit more appealing. What are you thinking in terms of Claxton and finding help right now in this absence yeah i think that's really interesting i mean uh, i feel like they really need claxton you know um i i don't think they want to trade him his switchability is something that you know not a lot of guys on the team have I guess it's like you said it really comes down to the finances of do we want to do we want to pay him and if if we don't, then what is the help that's available to us right now? You know, you heard you heard some rumors about maybe the Nets looking at uh, Covington as a guy that they might um, pursue. Could that be uh, could that be a fair trade? You know, maybe Portland has to throw in something extra. I don't know, but um, would you look at that if you were the Nets? I, I looked a little bit closely at this and I have a hard time figuring out how, how it works because I'm not really eager to trade Covington. If I'm the Blazers right now for a very young player, because I, I, I guess my ultimate goal there is I want to keep Damian Lillard happy and that might be better served with veterans. If they're looking towards a more complete rebuild, then I'm very interested in not just Claxton, but also some of their younger guys like Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp. Um, 
So I don't really know which direction Portland sees themselves in. I know which way I see them as being an, an inevitable rebuild, but are they there yet? I don't know. In which case it's tough to say what they, what they would do and what they would look to return in a Covington package. Um, I, I guess you could argue that Claxton could help them now and more long-term than Covington, but with Covington shooting and being a veteran, he certainly fits better on paper in terms of Lillard's window, but um, it's worth exploring. It's worth a call. I, I guess I have a hard time seeing how they trade Claxton and return someone who's as good for that level of money because he doesn't make much right now. Yeah, and also, I don't know. I mean, you know, Covington thing's interesting. I, I could see the Lakers uh, being a team that pursues uh, Claxton. Obviously, their defense has been atrocious all year. They need a guy like that. <laughs> They're relying, they're relying on DeAndre Jordan, who's completely cooked. Um, so I don't know if, if uh, you know, there's anyone on the roster that the Nets would be interested in, but that's the call you could definitely make. Um, short of that, though, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I feel like uh, he, they probably don't trade him. Could, could there be a bigger, you know, could, could there be a bigger trade? Jeremy Grant said to be available. He's sort of of the Covington ilk, you know, the the uh, versatile wing who can shoot a little, defend a little. Yeah, if you're putting Joe, Joe Harris's contract on the table, it opens up a lot more. But to get a guy like Grant, who has said he wants like a, a primary scoring role and a big contract extension, 100 million plus, I don't think they have the goods to, to even get in the ballpark there. You'd have to put that. 2028 first on the table which is like the one we expect where they wouldn't have the big three in town um mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that that grants the guy that you want to break that trade piece out for because he might immediately be unhappy in his role here as like the fourth or fifth guy yeah i think i think that's that's a pretty good fair assessment so I'm not sure. At this point, I don't see any trades where I'm like, that's a no-brainer. But if if you told me a trade was going to happen, I'm looking at Claxton and maybe another one of the young guys who another team has their eye on to help them get back, you know, someone who does something that you could plug and play, like a three and D wing. I don't even know who that is, but it's tough to figure out. I feel like the buyout market is more likely on that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if they lose him for nothing, um, if they determine that their team is better this year with him, I think that'll go, you know, that'll be a strong consideration. Like, yeah, we might lose them, but we might also win a championship if we keep them. So when you're as good uh, you know, as I don't... the Nets figure to be, fully healthy, then you worry less about losing someone for nothing. I mean, obviously you worry about losing Harden for nothing, but you're not even going to dream of trading him right now. So you just kind of let the chips fall where they may and say, let's go do our best and try to win a title with these guys. And yeah, if we have to lose Nick Claxton over it, because we're wondering about paying all three of the big three as full-time players, that's kind of a blessing at this point. Exactly. Exactly. 
And speaking of James Harden and losing him for nothing, um, uh-uh. seems like every, every <laughs> it seems like you know every week uh, we um, are hearing news stories from credible sources that there's just a lot of uh, a lot of chatter about a possible relocation for James Harden. I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up and ask you um, because I did get a chance to read a piece he wrote about this very topic that was very, very uh, thoroughly researched, well thought out. Um, can you, can you give our audience a, uh, a briefing on your, on your uh, synopsis? On yeah, your I guess, I, I guess my feeling on it right now is that this is highly unlikely. Um, I think it's hard to, there's been enough credible reporters talking about this where you can't just throw it out when they say that, you know, Daryl Moore really, really, really wants James Harden. And he might even hold Ben Simmons through the trade deadline to make that happen. I can't dismiss that. And when I hear Harden might be open to this too, I can't fully dismiss that. But when I, the more I learn about this situation, the more reasons I get why it's not going to happen. I mean, just as someone who's watched every minute that Harden has played this year and been on every post-game press conference, he seems happy here to me. I don't get the impression that this guy is going through the motions. I think he enjoys his time here. I think the times where I have seen him frustrated is when you ask him for the third consecutive game about new rules targeting non-basketball moves and they just lost. Then, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be like, "Next question, nah, no thanks." Um, and when you ask him after a loss about his, do they miss his teammate who's not in the game because of his vaccination status? He's not going to enjoy that either. So, is there something about this Kyrie Irving situation which could have given him a wandering eye for sure? But to me, that's likely to get resolved one way or the other. Either they win it and you say, "Hey, it doesn't matter," or you don't win it. You lost a huge home game that Irving wasn't eligible to play for. And everyone says, come on, we can't max this guy as a part-time player. So if anyone's going to be on the block, you sign and trade Kyrie. If Harden ever came to you with like this ultimatum, then yeah, you you look to trade Kyrie for something useful and build around Durant and Harden. So the more I, I think about it, uh, not even getting into the finances, the Nets could pay him about $90 million more than anyone else. So I keep finding. So let me ask you this: if, if you were to play devil's advocate against yourself and give the case for why he would leave, because I, because I mean, I agree with you. You know, on on paper, it, it's like what it's like. What are we missing here? Why do we keep hearing that James Harden is interested in leaving? It can't just be that he didn't sign the extension, because we all know he's incentivized to wait until after the season. Um, what do you, what do you think would be the, the case? The team we keep hearing about is the Sixers, you know, of course he has a relationship with the GM, but I mean, there's no precedent for a player leaving uh, a great situation and leaving money on the table to play for a, a specific GM. So, I mean, it's, it seems maybe, Maybe that's why we're having a hard time wrapping our heads around it. What do you think the kind of counterpoint is? The counterpoint would be something like 
we're not privy to it, but there are problems in the relationships with the big three. Um, Harden ends up having a down year for the rest of the season and maybe doesn't understand quite why or blames it on something about the fit here. And Daryl Morey persuades him that they're using him wrong. Maybe it's, maybe it's scary to be playing below your own standard and you just don't want to believe that it's a combination of age, injury, new rules. Maybe there's a part of you that's in denial and a very persuasive message might be, look, they're flanking you with DeAndre Bembry, Bruce Brown. Uh, Kevin Durant is the best player on that team and everyone knows it. But if you were to come here in this situation, it would be ideal. And you flatter him to that degree. I, I guess that would be the path. Um, maybe some frustration about Kyrie's determination not to take the vaccine and they're going to continue forward with him. And, and that's a headache. You say, Hey, don't, don't bother with any of that anymore. We're all full-time players here. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Some combination yeah, I mean, of that. Do, do you think there, there's any part of him that, you know, just kind of, it's like, Hey, like <clears throat> it'd be amazing to win a championship here, but like, this is Kevin Durant's team. This is, you know, I, I will always be his his wingman at best. Do you think he even cares about that? Um, whereas, like, you know, if he went to Philly, obviously Embiid is is the guy there. He'll never supplant supplant Embiid as as the guy, but. All that said, I mean, Embiid and the Sixers have never made it out of the second round. If he goes there and leads them to the finals even, he's kind of the guy that, that, that took that team to where it wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, if I were some of these guys, I would look at the league and I'd be like, you know, LeBron going and getting a couple in Miami, that wasn't the most meaningful championship but when he did get his most meaningful one with the Cavs, it certainly makes it feel better to have three and now four, you know? And so I think Harden might be more in that desperation mode. Let me just get one and then I'll think about stuff like, would it be more fulfilling to win one with my own team or with Joel Embiid rather than Kevin Durant's wingman? I think if I were him uh, and you did not win it this year, it would be tough to make a case to persuade me I have a better chance in Philly than I would next to Durant and Kyrie Irving if somehow this Irving thing were resolved. So by that, by that logic, Sixers fans who may be rooting against the Nets, hoping that if the Nets implode, it could pry hard and loose, you're, you're actually saying that not necessarily, that if the Nets win it, it could be like a Kawhi Leonard type situation where he wins it. He kind of gets that monkey off his back and then he can factor in other considerations like style of play and, you know, whatever, whatever else is important to him. Yeah. If you were a Sixers fan, I would say your chances are very, very mm -hmm. slim, but they don't necessarily go out the window if the Nets win it this year. You're still up against the fact that they could offer $90 million more than you. And on paper, Kevin Durant's a better fit with James Harden than Joel Embiid is. That's, that's just the, the facts about it. Kevin Durant is happy to spot up outside the three-point line, uh, and Joel Embiid doesn't love to stand there.
And Harden, okay. Harden loves to attack a spread floor where everyone's outside the paint. That's where he played his best ball. Yeah, I think I think that that's um, I think that's probably true. Um, the ca- the counterpoint would be, you know, he he can look at the Sixers and it's like, oh, okay, they have they have this team. They've been the same team the last two years. I know exactly what I'm walking into. It'll be Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, Joel Embiid. Plug me in there to run the offense. I mean, with the Nets, it's like it's like he's just getting a, a different cast of teammates every night. I don't know if he cares about that or not, but um, you know, a guy like that who's so, uh, so such a precisionist, you know, you imagine it's it's frustrating. I think it'd be frustrating, yeah. And every time I think about it, it brings me back to the well, where is Irving in all of this? And so part of my thinking is I don't know what the resolution would be, but I do think that if you're offering Harden a chance to stay with you, you have some resolution in place there for him, whether it be sign and trading Irving for something that really fits. And even the message that it sends that you're going out and looking for that to help him, or there's something that's changed and Kyrie is, is now playing full-time. Um, right. Right. So I don't know what that would be, but I, I do think that would improve their cause. Let's let's move on. Without Kevin Durant around, the, the focus on Kyrie Irving being a part-time player is more has even more, if you could even imagine that, has even more eyes on it now. After the game where it, it happened and Kyrie was available, the media asked him if this changes his thinking in terms of getting the vaccination at all. And Kyrie was almost taken aback by the question. And then the reporter was taken aback that Kyrie was taken aback. Like, of course, I'm going to ask this. This is what millions of fans want to know. Um, So you had a chance to listen to what Kyrie Irving said. Because essentially his message was, I don't look at Kevin Durant's temporary knee injury as part of my grand calculus for whether or not I get vaccine because I live the bulk of my life outside of the basketball arena. So it's a separate question for me. What did you make of what he said and basically doubling down that he's made his position and he's not going to change his mind based on an MCL? Um, you know, not surprising. You know, we've, we've kind of, we've kind of um, been consistent in, in seeing this, the way that it's played out, which is, I mean, if, if, he, if he was willing to miss the entire season and not get paid and not play at all, is, is a four-week injury to Kevin Durant going to change his mind? No, of course not. You know, so, I mean, I, I, don't, think, um, I don't think it's surprising. I think if anything, was, that, if anything was surprising, it was that he was probably a little bit more open and less vague about where he stood on it. You know, like most of his uh, public, most of his public comments have been kind of um, hard to hard to decipher. Whereas this, he he basically said, like, yeah, this this isn't going to have any influence on my decision. And like you said, he kind of affirmed it by saying, I'm I'm rooted in my stance. So you know, not surprising and kind of put to bed the possibility that he might get vaccinated this season as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, I would say he I don't think he ruled out that he would get the vaccine at some point in the future. He did say like a couple of times, I'm, I'm going to take a day at a time. I, I thought his takeaway was basically if I ever did make that decision, it wouldn't have anything to do with dude's knee. Kev's going to be OK, he said. Um, and so I, I thought if you're a fan hoping that he was going to get the vaccine, you probably shouldn't have much hope that it's going to happen this season. And you definitely shouldn't think that, you know, a sprained ankle or a knee, a knee is going to factor into his thinking. Cause for him, these are completely separate equations. At one point he even talked about being like a beacon of truth for, for the issue at large um, and not speaking for himself, but speaking for those who might've lost their jobs because of local mandates, et cetera. Um, he walked back that idea that he was a beacon. He was like, you know, I'm not trying to BS you with my politics. Um, because I guess he heard how it sounds like, oh, I'm this beacon and, and laughed about it right. for, a mo- for a moment. Um, but you could tell that if you got him to keep talking about it, which I think he would have, it was eventually it was like team PR, which started suggesting maybe they get to Michael Grady's question about basketball. Um, I think he would have continued on to talk more about his views and and how this issue is something that impacts us all and for me it's not basketball yeah yeah i i I agree i think i think he views this as a much bigger decision than you know how it's going to impact the team over the next month yeah it's pretty interesting stuff Mm -hmm. um and it's a big contrast from a guy like Harden, who's just kind of like, you know, he knows we need him. He's going to make his own decision. Uh, I'll, I'll give him the shot just to get him out there. But then he's kind of over the whole subject and doesn't want to keep talking about it. One interesting thing in all of that, and I know one of our writers at Clutch Points basically took the leap and said Kyrie throws shade at Giannis. I don't know if this was your takeaway, so I'm going to ask you this. Do you think Kyrie... Irving threw shade at Giannis because he said something like he was asked, you know, is it crazy to him? Can he reflect on how the big three hasn't been able to play much together? And first he said, basically it's a loaded question. And then he described some of the things that have stood in their way, like Durant's injury. And then he said, I I went up for a shot when I landed Giannis's foot just happened to be where I was landing. Uh, And then he kept talking about how, all of these crazy unforeseeable circumstances highlight his point that nothing is given. And so you don't want to put everything in basketball because you do have a life outside of it. Basically, you know, even if you think you have a guaranteed championship, don't compromise on your values beyond the game because that's where you live your life. Um, So it was all wrapped up in his position on the vaccine, but my eyebrows raised for a moment when I heard that I was like, wait, is he, because usually when someone says your foot just happened to be where I was landing, we could take that literally and say like he was pointing at the randomness of life, like these other MCL injuries, which he pointed to, or he could say, come on, Giannis, you didn't have to put your foot just where I was landing. How did you hear that? Yeah, I think, I think that you might be onto something. I, I heard it similarly, you know, and remember, I mean, Harden has had his issues with Giannis. You know, Harden had an issue with Giannis that seemed to go back and forth for a couple of years. And, you know, I think, I mean, can you imagine the conversations between the Nets, between last year's Buck series and now of just like 
how they would have won that series with relative ease had one of their guys not gone down. So, I mean, they, they've got to see, you know, Giannis as, as the champion, you know, anointed by many people as the best player in the game or one of the top two, and just feel like, man, if, if Kyrie doesn't get hurt, this, in a, there's an entire different narrative about everyone. So, Yeah, or Harden. <laughs> or even just Dinwiddie. <laughs> right, exactly. So so do you think that Kyrie intended shade? Do you think he meant to imply your foot was in the wrong spot on purpose? Um, I think that he was alluding to that. Yes. That that'd be my speculative um my my speculative uh thought is just that he, he's alluding to it. Yeah, it's funny. When I first heard it, my my sort of radar went, whoa, he's saying that. And then the more I heard the rest of what he had to say, I started thinking less and less he's saying that, you know, because there was okay. no there was no pause. There was no look on his face like he was even saying anything interesting. And then he lumped together all these things that were genuinely random, like an MCL sprain and whatnot. So it's it's. I would say it's at least tough to say. It's not definitive that he was throwing shade, um, but he might have been for sure. Well, you know, if we if we want to build up the drama, then I think we should go with he was throwing shade. <laughs> <laughs> so let's be in the drama industry. <laughs> uh, we're all hoping for a Bucks net three match, and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with pouring a little gasoline on the fire. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Giannis is a dirty player. I don't think it was like a Zaza play where he's clearly putting his foot in the wrong spot on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Kyrie felt it was some version of that or a light version of that, that's very possible, and that would be uh, you know that would be worth revisiting in a playoff series for sure. All right. Um, on that note. Greg, do you have any do you have any parting shots? Do you have any predictions for us in the short term, like before that trade deadline? Uh no, I my guess would be that the Nets um stay packed. I, I think that, you know, they they understand that, you know, if their guys are healthy, they're gonna be in the mix. And if they're not, then no trade that they make is going to matter. So I would expect, you know, minor uh, minor moves as far as the Nets go. Uh, hoping for some more of a shakeup around the league, though. Yeah, I, the one thing that just keeps sort of blowing my mind about this team is how close they are to having this unbeatable super team, and how it always feels like they're not even going to have it this year. And then once the off season gets here, at least one of them will be gone. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, the, it's it's going to be a really interesting next uh, six months. Yeah, they gave us a taste of it when they were all available and they demolished the Bulls by like 20 in Chicago. And, you know, I joked like they're a part-time super team there. Uh, and now that feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how it feels to be on the team. It's like, all right, we finally got it. And nope, just kidding. Yep. Try try again in two months to rinse out all the rumors are swirling that Harden's going to be traded <laughs> right right uh, yeah. alright 
thanks so much for uh, for hopping on with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Dave. Talk soon. Bye.